Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Richard Marquez, and here with me, as always, is the lovely Amy Nelson. Hello, Richard. Welcome to a fabulous episode. I'm excited to be here. Hey, who is that right behind you? Uh, is that some stranger you got behind you? Who Wait, is that? Wait, is it Lee? Wait, no, it's not Lee. It's Bruce Gibson from Literary Tracks. Bruce, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, you know what? I'm like a quarter Scottish, so I'm, I could be related to Lee. Okay, so we oh. are still representing. Very good, very good. Just a sliver. that's as that's as much as i want to be related to lee as a sliver (laughs) oh that's funny whoa what brings you here with us um, bruce i i I heard lots of rumors but tell me what you're here we're here for what you know so i've been doing literary treks now for several months and every episode i have to read like a novel and that takes like hours every week to prepare for the show. So I was like, let me come on Earl Grey so I can just watch an hour of an episode and be done with it. So that's why I'm here, because I was just trying to make my life a little easier right now. Did you add commercials to that? Because they usually run, what, 30, 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes? 47 minutes. There you go. Yeah, I would do every time there was a break I was watching on Netflix. Every time there was a break, I would go to the mirror and I'd pick up an object like, a, you know, toothpaste. And I would do a commercial in the mirror holding the yeah. toothpaste up. And then I'd go and I'd pick up like deodorant. I just kept picking up things in the bathroom during each break. So it took the episode an hour to run. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> wow. OK. <laughs> you don't do that? Um, yeah, of course. Who doesn't do that? Well, if you were part Scottish, you would do it. Believe me. Well, I just wanted to let the listeners know, uh, thanks to Trek FM, Bruce and I actually had the opportunity to meet, and uh, he was one of the first people of the network that I met in person. We were lucky enough to go to the fan event in uh, Los Angeles for the Beyond fan event, and we had a fabulous time. I was taking pictures with him and the uh, green ladies, I believe. He had them all lined up. Come on, girls. Come around. Come around. Oh, yeah, it was fabulous. The Orion Slave Girls, yeah. They were working the event. I mean, like, I don't mean like they were working the event. I mean, they were like, you know, like helping out with like things going on in the event. So anyway, but yeah, I was, you were one of the first ones I met too part of Trek FM. That was like my first Trek FM meeting people experience. Exactly. Yeah, it was way cool. And so uh, we've just known each other since then. And I'm going to little precursor. I'm reading books now. And so we'll be coming on your show. And I'm super excited for that. <gasps> Get out of here. Yeah. What? <laughs> You're going beyond the TNG universe? No, sticking with the TNG for sure. Oh, oh okay. yes. Only TNG books is what we're reading with Amy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, that's that sounds awesome, guys. I'm glad. Yeah, I, you know, actually, I remember those pictures, and I'm like, damn, I wish I was there too. I yeah. really did. <laughs> it, it was, it was it looked, an awesome event. It was great. I'm. St- I, uh, yeah, it was a highlight for sure. That that was a great way to celebrate the fiftieth. For me, at uh, least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. To see beyond? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about, you know, the 50th anniversary or beyond. or <laughs> But today we're going to be doing an episode review. And this episode, we're going to be discussing the game. So, Amy, why didn't you tell us about the game? Well, this is the one where we have Riker on uh, Risa. That's how you say it, Risa. And, uh, oh, Richard, who are the... Katarians? Uh, yeah, Katarians. And so she says and introduces Riker to the game. And so Riker brings it on board and it spreads like wildfire. And Wesley Crusher, we get to see him come back and he notices everyone's behaving strangely and Wesley saves the day basically. So that's a quick rundown on that. So Bruce, you uh, wanted to talk about this. Why uh, is this one of your favorite episodes? Um, I don't know if I'd say it's quite one of my favorite episodes, but it's up there because, you know, you asked me, it was like, okay, what episode do you want to talk about? And I was like, I didn't want to pick anything obvious. I didn't say like, oh, the best of both worlds or something like that. I thought, you know, what is one that I haven't watched in a while, but I remember liking that's different. And then the game was one of those things that came up because I remember when I watched it the week it it premiered and I remember thinking it was a, it was a different episode. It, I didn't think it was one of the better episodes, but the way it played out, I thought it actually was not bad. And I guess it, it was at that moment when I watched the game when I realized that all episodes of The Next Generation in that season and the prior one before are all really good. It was like that was the moment when I was like, it doesn't matter what the episode is. They're all good. Agreed. Those. Yeah. See, the game is uh, the beginning of season five. And yeah, it's next gen is in its stride. It's hitting every episode. It's it's good. Should we take this out of the uh, unsung hero uh, category? Oh, <laughs> we, we might five? have to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely love this episode. And um, Christian loved this episode because he's very fond of Leffler, who uh, this is the first time we get to see her. Yes. And I, I'm very fond of her, too. <laughs> I am, too. Just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had a huge crush on her when this episode premiered. Maybe that's why I really like it. Well, I was huge into country music. And so the Judds uh, were just huge. And then I see Ashley Judd. I'm like, my worlds have combined. I It's perfect now. So <laughs> now she was also in Darmok, like right before this with a small role, though. Was she in Darmok? Oh, that's right. She was. Oh, my my bad, Chris, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I got to uh, brush up on my history again. <laughs> and she lives on in the novels, which is really cool. The new Frontier books, she's in all those. So she's a prominent character in those novels written by Peter David. So I have a long history with Robin Leffler at this point. I, I had see. no idea. I'll have to read those. I actually been meaning to read those. Now you gave me an incentive to read them. Yeah, she's awesome. got some interesting 
events that happen in her life as these stories go on. So she's not just sitting on a starship, just, you know, working in engineering. She's been involved in some dramatic elements on another world. So let's just say that it's quite interesting. Well, talking about Robin Leffler, I was wondering, especially in this rewatch, I think I just took it for granted that she was, I mean, we're assuming she's Wesley's age. Um, and before her, we always thought that Wesley was advanced and mature for his age and that he was, you know, one of the youngest in Starfleet. But then here you have Robin Leffler. She's already been through Starfleet Academy. She's already now on the flagship. I mean, she's sort of making Wesley look like he's moving through Starfleet just in molasses, you know, because here she is. Thoughts? Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, 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 no. no. You're right. You're right. Uh, I, I just, I, I thought you were going to complete a thought, uh, another thought with it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Yes, she definitely is very young. Obviously, in this, uh, in this episode, and it, she just, it, I mean, oh, she's on point. I, I love her. I love her. I really do. Sorry, Jennifer. I love her. <laughs> that's, that's my fiance. <laughs> so, but, you mean was your fiance? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> After this episode. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can say anything I want, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen. I'll just editing the editing in front of her or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that she really... Uh, you know, her go-getterness and smarts and she's very intelligent and has a plan of action and all of her fun rules or laws, uh, you know, and then there's Wesley. It's like he's playing catch up to her. I thought that was interesting because we don't usually see Wesley uh, behind like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, I thought she was around his age, but maybe a little older because she had already been through Starfleet Academy um, but it, I, you know, go ahead. No, I no, was go just going to say I, that I also think that, um, she's probably not as awkward as Wesley. Right. So maybe that's why she seems a little more with it than, mm-hmm. uh, not to say that she's more with it than Wesley is, but you know, maybe, you know, because he is so advanced and he's so gifted or whatever that when he's, you know, up against her, they're pretty much equals. Mm-hmm. Are, are you, are you saying that she's written correctly? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's acted very well, too. I, I will give Ashley Judd major props for the acting on this. Yes. Yes. She's a very... And, you know, actually, I noticed at the end of the um, the episode, so obviously throughout the episode, we, we, we hear their interaction, they want to date and everything, but they said that they could always be friends. So I guess it's not a really a love interest. I don't know. Or at least that's what she said at the end of the episode. We could always write as friends. Yeah, no? but I thought there was definitely something there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's how episode. it's written, but that's yeah. not what she said, at, or that's not what he said at the end of the episode. Maybe they're just still friends and the love interest is... <laughs> well, I don't know, because right before she said that, they gave a pretty long kiss to yes. each other. I mean, it wasn't yes. just like a little kiss. I mean... It got to the point that I almost did another commercial break because it was going on so long. But <laughs> <laughs> to play with like uh, toothpaste and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, she wants to be friends. But I, I don't know. I think that's just her way of saying, well, I guess we can't have a relationship if we're not near each other. 
Yeah, no long distance. And I mean, even the hug after the kiss, I mean, there was nuzzling, you know, I mean, that was a sign that there definitely was a relationship more than just friends. But yeah, it might have been one of Leffler's laws that you don't have long distance relationships. So Hmm. interesting. (laughs) So she's like, we'll just be friends. It'd be easier to do uh, do it in the 24th century because, I mean, you could communicate with each other. Like it's like it's Skype or something like that. I mean, I guess the inter- yeah, whatever. <laughs> Long distance relationship sucks. <laughs> and they probably didn't have Facebook by that time. Like it's yeah. it's gone away. So no, they have Spacebook. Oh, oh. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. But the transporters, the transporters would get them there pretty quickly. But I guess even there, there's a range. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah. yeah. So what about those headsets that they have? I mean, those games, uh, well, no, those games, like, go figure the, the title of the episode. What do you guys think about the games? Uh, uh, you got, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't, re- I, this, I feel the same way now as I did when I first saw the episode, the, the visuals, the graphics of the games, I thought were a little cheesy. I think that's why oh. I was saying earlier that the episode, when I saw it premiere, I wasn't too sure about it. And then it turned out to be good. And just because it was like the little cones and the little discs and not, if anything, just, you know, the close up shots on, on Riker staring into the camera, just, (laughs) just, just bothered me a little too much. I thought it was a horror movie at first, but, 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 you know, the game actually, it's interesting to me now because Back then, in 1991, when this episode came out, we had video games, but we didn't have the devices we have today. And when I watch that episode now of the game, I think of like my iPhone. It's that same addiction. I mean, it doesn't play out exactly the same, but it's that kind of thing where, you know, they're sitting in 10 forward and they're like, have you noticed that everybody is playing this game? Like, yeah, they're addicted to it. It's like, yeah, it's the same thing. If 10 forward, everybody was on their mobile device. It's like, wow, look, everybody's on their device. Yeah. It's like they're addicted. It's like this, it's like a prediction of how things are going today. I agree. I mean, you walk into any restaurant any time of the day and there will be people just staring at their phones instead of conversing one with another. And definitely, I agree with you on that part. Yeah. And it, it's scary how, it, I mean, obviously we you see a lot of YouTube videos or, or, or even Facebook videos where people are like walking along the street and get hit by something or whatever, you know, or for whatever prank someone's doing or something like that. They don't even know it. Um, but like, yeah, I, actually we, uh, we have a rule for the dinner table that no, uh, cell phones are allowed to be there. It has to be in your pocket or your purse or something like that. And, uh, whenever, and cause yeah, we recognize the same thing. We're like, mm-mm. I'm here to converse with you. <laughs> and I do that to my brother too. He's so into his phone. It's like, got this new Google phone. And I'm like, no, no, dude, dude, dude. I, I came over here 30 miles to come see you, not to see you play on your phone. <laughs> so it's already happening. I mean, all you need now is you got the device. Now you just need the program. 
and we could take over the world. Well, I sort of like the graphics. It's funny you bring that up, Bruce, because uh, when I saw it, and yeah, it's a simplistic idea and the the actual game isn't the point of it. It's the addictiveness of it. And so these little cones and putting the disc in the cone and, and then that feeds your frontal cortex or the feel good feelings and that, uh, seeing that, but like, so you see the game, just the game, but then you see it as like an overlay so you can actually see your life around it, but with this in front of it. I thought that was pretty cool. I hadn't seen anything like that before. Oh, so you mean you like you like the fact that as they're playing the game, they can also see what's in front of them? Yeah. Because yeah. that doesn't really, what's in front of them doesn't really have anything to do with the game necessarily, or does right. it? Well, and they're just, you know, like walking through the corridor, playing the game. And so they can still see the corridor and the halls and the doors, but they're playing the game. And I like that visual that, yeah, these people are still playing the game, but yet still, quote unquote, living their life. It's like Google Glass, right? Isn't isn't that what it was called? Yep. See, I don't hear about those anymore. They still around Google Glass, but that's what it reminds me of. Last time I heard about Google Glasses is that um, uh, it, it was still in prototype uh, design, and I haven't heard anything really from it. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever even met, met anyone that's ever, you know, used them, to be quite honest. I mean, it looks cool. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, basically, uh, what, you know, it's over it's over one eye, right? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, that's the one. And then, like, your emails or your text message would come up on the screen of your on your lens yeah i mean i never used one or like seen anybody that's had one either but i guess it's the same thing where you're seeing the graphics of what you're looking at but you can also see what's see through it yeah Yeah. so i don't know oh man that just gives me a headache thinking about it i know right (laughs) i mean when i was in the military we had mvgs that went over one eye and that gave me a headache too i'm like Oh, wow. <laughs> Night vision goggles. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know not everyone knows what MVGs are. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have those on the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, you don't need one. <laughs> yeah, I. but could you imagine the graphics, what it could be today? I mean, it wouldn't be like a, uh, a funnel with a disc or something like that. It'd probably be something pretty awesome. I don't know what it what else it could be, but... Maybe like Angry Birds. <laughs> no, yes. actually, this did remind me of Angry Birds because uh, when that game first came out, I remember having dinner with coworkers, like a holiday dinner, and someone at the table pulled out their phone. They said, you know, oh, my wife, and she was there. You know, he's like, oh, my wife, she's really into Angry Birds. And she's like, are you guys, have you ever done Angry Birds? And she was doing that same thing, like selling everybody on it. Everybody's getting their phones out, downloading the app. We got to try Angry Birds. And I'm like, this, I felt like Wesley at the time. I'm like, I don't really want to get into this until I find out more about it. <laughs> it's going to suck your soul. <laughs> oh my goodness. That, that, that reminds me of Farmville when Facebook came out with games and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. the countless invites. No, I never joined in. I'm like, oh, I, you should. I was, was refusing awful. on the point that everyone was doing it. I so. refuse too. So I'm in your yeah. camp. But I mean, it was, oh, well, and and it's sort of the same thing now. I'm still getting these Candy Crush invites. Everyone's playing Candy Crush or did, you know, these fads come out and everyone's like, oh, you got to play this game. You got to play this game. I'm like, "Mm, I'm happy with solitaire. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 
I haven't played solitaire in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can you can also block those apps. You know that, right? On Facebook, you know, you can block every single uh, uh, at, or I'm sorry, uh, every single game invite that's on Facebook. So yeah, because I only seem to get it from the new people for some reason. So maybe that's why. Okay. Are you talking cool. about like millennials? <laughs> Well, like if you add someone new and then all ah. of a sudden they're like, so-and-so sent you a, a game request and I'm like, Ugh, whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's very plausible in the game. You can see people are just, yeah, they want to share this with you. And I mean, we see it in our lives, obviously here. So uh, a criticism that this episode get is that it's too bonk bonk on the head with addiction what do you guys feel about that yeah uh, yeah definitely um it's one of those episodes that yeah it's it's a little bit obvious uh, obviously but i mean it doesn't really answer the uh, answer the question um you know how to get over addiction um because it i mean what i mean what are you gonna do flash a beacon light on your face and and then it's over i wish it was that simple (laughs) not that i have an addiction or anything like that (laughs) but but i mean but it's you know even when like uh, like i'm a i I love playing video games and it's one of those things that where um you know sometimes it sucks you in it depends on the game but then again when i finish the story that's it i'm done with it (laughs) so um what do you think about that bruce it is kind of obvious that it's about addiction, but I also am not sure that the game itself is addictive, but what is in the game is sending some type of signal or something through their eyes that it's almost like nicotine, you know, it's like, I don't think it's the act of the game they're addicted to. It's what was put into the game. And then they get this kind of sensation from it. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's almost kind of sexual in a sense, um, the way they're reacting to it. Um, yeah. But again, because they kind of lose themselves in the fact that they are going to pass these out to everybody. They're forcing everybody to take them. I feel like there was almost like some kind of control that the games are doing to the mind. Yeah. And I think that substance abuse, I think, is why it draws that parallel so strongly, because there's Mm. that addictive that that exterior substance is in your brain from that probe that when you turn on the game, it, it, you know, activates that in your brain, just like you say, nicotine or any other external substance is going to do. Well, because this was instant addiction it wasn't like oh using it over and over again they got addicted to it it was like first time you use it boom you're addicted and then it's just constantly adding that programming into your head the more you're using it the more it's keeping you on it so it was an instant addiction which we don't you know you don't do drugs or or have a cigarette and you're instantly addicted it takes some time of using it over and over again I don't know. I, I I'm not addicted, so yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I I've don't heard. know. <laughs> I'm addicted well, to Star Trek, and it did. It took more than one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoot me up, man. Shoot me up. <laughs> well, I think uh, with the advance of drugs, um, I again don't have any firsthand knowledge, uh, but I hear that especially those hard drugs like heroin, that it is 
once go around that you are pretty addicted, but I don't know. Really? Oh, yeah, I just I don't have know heard. Either. Yeah. One way to find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is, but I ain't going to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have no experience with drugs either because I, yeah, I, I never had a need for it, I guess. I mean, then again, I didn't know anyone that did, did any of that, so. I, I can say that I haven't done drugs either, and, and but I have people at work that are trying to get me to, seriously. Um, but anyway, speaking Ooh. of addictions, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of addictions, I like the whole th- scene with Troy and her chocolate ice cream and the fudge around the edges and the chips. And there's a certain way you move the spoon around and just Riker's reaction of just looking at her like he's just being sucked into it. Like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so good. <laughs> yes, I love that. You know, Troy enjoys her chocolate and uh But haven't you ever build the perfect bite? You know, you get a fabulous plate of food at a restaurant or something that you've cooked and you just want to get the build the perfect bite. And it I related so much to that. I loved that scene. Do you you have a ritual for chocolate, eating chocolate? No, I'm not a big chocolate fan, but there's definitely that, you know, okay, steak with a grilled onion and the mushrooms, you know, and a little bit of mashed potato and the perfect amount of gravy, not too much gravy, you know, not too much fudge, like she was saying, just the perfect amount and you just build the perfect bite. It's, it's heaven. I haven't eaten dinner, thanks. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Richard, what's I, your food addiction? Oh, my food addiction. I do love steak, but um, what I really treasure more than steak is uh, is lasagna. I, I, I mean, I know that's very stereotypical uh, of Italian, but I love... If it's done properly, everything's cooked, and I, oh... Mm. See, and you yeah. got to have the perfect amount of pasta noodle with the marinara with the cheese. Right. It's got to be perfect. If you if you overdo it, it makes it, it it makes the experience a little bit sloppy. Right. But if you if you perfectly like right around a balance of meat with pasta, cheese on top of it and within it and it's all melted and everything, it's perfect. Very good. <laughs> Bruce, what's your perfect bite? Uh, I just love cheeseburgers and I just eat them. I have no ritual. I just eat the freaking things. It's just, you know, especially when I travel, it's like, oh, there's an In-N-Out burger. Got to stop there. Oh, you know, what a burger. Got to stop there. I mean, I'm five guys. I'm stopping there. Like I'm always, even if I'm in a hotel like I am right now, um, I'll, you know, at some point I'll probably do room service and order a burger. I just, I just love them. So interesting, but I do like chocolate too. (laughs) Okay. So question for you, when you eat your hamburger, do you eat it with the sesame seed bun up or down? (laughs) Oh, I've never been asked that. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I've never been asked. Always up. Okay. Down. Really? Down. (laughs) Down. Yeah. Cause, cause you gotta have those seeds in there. You're not eating the seeds if you're if you're not. I mean, if they're on top, you, they just fall off no. and you, they go into your pan or something like that. No, no. So you flip it over. No, 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 no. If the bun, if the seeds are on top, then they stay. They're not gonna fall off. As soon as it goes in your mouth, then you you roll the stuff around in your mouth. The seeds are moving all around, and then you got get a toothpick because some get in between your teeth. Well, I've always thought that it would make sense to have the sesame seed down because it's always the thicker piece of bread, and the 
bottom gets so soggy, it just makes sense to be upside down. <laughs> this is the weirdest tangent ever. Is this food <laughs> that FM? we've ever had? <laughs> Oh, I could go day. I could go days on to talk about food. <laughs> I really. Well, maybe could. that's for the patron zone or something. There we, you go. <laughs> okay, speaking of food, let's get back to, back to Star Trek. I'm trying to yes. steer everything back here. Worf made a pound cake. Do you remember that? So they surprised Wesley. They had a little. You know, he came up to welcome the, home party. Yeah, surprise! And Worf's like, "I made you a Tavokian pound cake." <laughs> and I thought it chocolate. <laughs> I bet it tastes like chocolate. <laughs> I know. Is it? It's that small moments that it's like Worf really has this great sense of family here on the crew. And that is just one little thing here. He's going to the effort to make a cake for Wesley. I think it's adorable. I love it. I love pound cake. I'll eat it every day. <laughs> right after you have lasagna. That's dessert. That's now. right. <laughs> That's right. Or you can you can just mix it in. I'm okay with that. No, 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 that would ruin the lasagna. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it was interesting that Data's still, you know, questioning what is funny and what was that a delight, even though you didn't know what was going on. And I thought that was I, funny. I like Always, that. yeah, yeah. I like the scenes with Data um, when he was laughing and asking Wesley, you know, about like, did you like being surprised? How did that feel? And you know, just just questioning everything. And even when they were walking the the hallway and 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 Wesley's telling Data a story and and Data just pauses for a second and takes his finger and points at Wesley and says good for you yeah <laughs> like this seems like the appropriate moment to do this gesture and say these words <laughs> so how long do you think so when you're okay changing gears going back to the addictiveness of the game when you're saying that this one so Riker had it on Risa, and then um, he was passing it along, and then Wesley came home, and they had the surprise party, and then pretty much everyone was getting the game. They were keep replicating it more and more. Now, when they replicated it, wouldn't there? Wouldn't the computer have seen that there's a program embedded in this game that's gonna lose their? I mean, they kept replicating it. You know, sort of like I'm a asking? pattern buffer for uh, micro uh, microorganisms on yeah. a transporter pad. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense, but that would ruin the whole story. Oh, that's true. <laughs> So, no, I, I, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on that. I mean, it's like it, it's like anytime anyone goes through a transporter, you know, why not just eradicate the disease or whatever uh, through the transporter or, or whatever is going on? But yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's maybe it was masked. Um, oh, you've never seen DS9. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of the replicator uh, where Cork was using, uh, and it turned out to be uh, it. It turned out to be a mine or inside of it, or, or there was some kind of anyway. Uh, tangent <laughs> but like um yeah i mean maybe they uh masked it through um i don't know a, a simple program that it's considered a game i don't uh, mm, I, I, and didn't honest, go through the high filters well maybe. maybe it did maybe it maybe the computer gave an alert saying you know there's an issue with this uh item to replicate but Riker was already under the influence and made it and bypassed it and said, you know, I will, I'll accept it. And everybody who's replicating this device is already under it. So they're ignoring the warning signs that the computer is giving them. 
Yep, that's in my there head canon now. Explanation right there. Yeah. Boom. Truth knowledge by Bruce. <laughs> it's one of my laws. <laughs> and which law is that? <laughs> it's law number 42. Not 47. <laughs> I'll tell you 47 another time. Um, but now here's another thing I was wondering, because Riker approaches Jordy and says, Jordy, you, you got you to gotta try this thing. And Jordy's like, well, not right now. But my, my thought was, well, how's it going to work for Jordy? Because he's blind. I had that same question as well. And I'm like, how are we? And we never see Jordy playing it, by the way, because I'm like, how is it going to fit? He's got his visor and the game and it's going to go through. But it's not I don't think because his visor sends stuff to his brain. Right. So that he can see the whole spectrum. So wouldn't the game just do the same thing? Just sort of go through the visor. I mean, he. It, it wouldn't might. activate through his eyeballs because the eyes are the non-functioning part, but where the visor hooks up through his brain, right? Uh, but he, but he still needs his eyes to see the through the visor, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like a it's not like the visor or does it? Or no, it, does the, the visor, visor stream... sends into his temples. His visor is what's seeing. It's not his so eyeballs. So he sees in like widescreen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I <laughs> okay. always thought so because it's all. That's where the, the transmitters are for his visor, around the sides, and that's I thought how those he were sees. pain receptors. No pain receptors. Yeah, because uh, in the sides of his eyes, uh, that I thought those uh, red flashing things were pain receptors, because he was having pro- because of the pain that he was having with his eyes. No, no. I thought it was kind of both, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he does feel pain oh, there. I'm look that up. <laughs> but no, <laughs> listen. <laughs> this is my head cannon. The okay. visor is there. It sends the all the spectrum right that he can see the EM spectrum and stuff, and it goes in through those little receptors on the temples, which are so painful, right? Which can be painful. Yeah. Yes. But it's not like a center of pain. It's just that's where all that, all those uh, vision stuff goes into his head. He's not using his eyes. His eyes are do not function. So let's take that concept and apply it to the game. Maybe the game isn't visual. Maybe it it shoots the laser beams into your eyes briefly. And what you are seeing is actually through your head and not your eyes. So maybe Jordy removed his visor and put the game on and it shot it in his eyes. I, I don't know why he would take his visor off because he probably said to Riker, well, I'm not going to be able to see anything. And maybe Riker's just like, trust me, Jordy, just take the visor <laughs> off. And it just shoots the beams into his eyes. And maybe it could have done that too with the visor on. And then it's playing the game in his head because it's right now, it seems like it's more, it's a visual, it's a visual game. And so you would yeah. have to be able to see it, but I guess it's really, you're seeing it in your mind. It's playing in your head. Yeah, because you're getting that the feel goods in your mind, right. not through your eyes. Right, right. Just the way Jordy's visor is giving him visions within his head and not through his mm-hmm. eyes. Right. Yes. Right, Richard. So he doesn't get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking about. It. I was like, so 
he can't really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all sorts of confused right now. <laughs> yeah, that I, that makes sense. Yeah, that's rule. That's law number forty-seven. There you go. There you go. You can see it all in your head. <laughs> I was just looking at the pain receptors. I was like, I don't know. It doesn't even say it in here. Uh, whatever. I'll look at it later. Whatever. <laughs> don't want to mess with Amy's uh, head cannon. That's right. <laughs> well, there's. Uh, I'll mention another scene that was one of my favorites, and that's when Wesley is sitting there with Picard. And they're catching up over tea. And Wesley's talking about, you know, oh, thanks for the advice on this professor and that. And Picard's just smiling. Oh, you're very welcome, Wesley. And and then all of a sudden he's, you know, Picard's starting to pour the tea. And, and he's like, you know, and Wesley says, oh, I saw, I took your advice and met Boothby. He's like, ah, how is Boothby? I bet he gave you all these stories, these long stories about me. And Wesley just looks at him deadpan and says, actually, sir, he didn't remember you. That is perfect. <laughs> I know that is so funny. And Picard's face is like, what? Yeah, what? He start, He stops like pouring the tea like, huh? And then Wesley smiles and, is, and says, well, and then I showed him your yearbook picture and then he knew you right away. And then Picard's not like, first, oh, yeah. yeah, it's not at first. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to talk about the AF. Yes, and then the AF and the <laughs> yes. oak tree or whatever. <laughs> Do we ever find out? I don't believe so. When he goes back in tapestry, do we ever? Does he ever look up oh, AF? Man, <laughs> I don't know. To be quite honest, uh, well, everyone will. I guess we really don't need to know because everyone knows an AF. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure the listeners will let us know. Yeah. There you go. So there's there's some homework for you guys. You know, let us know who AF is <laughs> yes Picard's little uh, love interest back at Starfleet Academy yes uh, man now that makes me want to look it up now who <laughs> <laughs> AF is so how uh. did you think um, Beverly Crusher was with her son like that mother son relationship. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you asked that. Cause I thought about that and I wasn't going to bring it up. I, I, sometimes I don't really buy the whole relationship because when Wesley shows up and they say surprise, she goes in and just gives him like a little hug. And I'm like, if I walked in to a starship after a few years being at an Academy and my mom was there I wouldn't get just a little hug. I mean, she would give me a hug. She'd give me, I mean, big hug and a kiss or whatever. And I just always sometimes feel like Beverly is played not really that close to Wesley. Like it doesn't always feel like a, a mother son relationship, almost like maybe on, you know, his aunt or something. <laughs> yes. I, I've never been able to put my finger on it, but that makes sense I, because yeah, I did not buy that as well. But an aunt, I could see, definitely. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed. And I recently watched um, season three and Beverly was, you know, coming back from her gone away from season two. 
And she was all worried on how to act around Wesley and, oh, I'm back on ship. And how would you like it if your mother's on board? And it just seems like, man, this is your son. What? Why? I don't know. I. But it seems more like an aunt and nephew situation. Definitely yeah, I, agree. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's it's definitely awkward uh, between the two, um, or at least it's it looks like it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Fe- I don't feel like they actually spend it. Well, maybe they may maybe they might have. I don't know, but um, you know. Um, I just think that, you know, they don't spend a lot of time with each other or at least not in a loving way. Maybe they take them to a carnival or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> get to know get to know the, uh, the, uh, the guy and be comfortable with him enough to, I guess, become a mother to him. But I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's Will Wheaton. He didn't like her. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that it's weird that, I mean, I don't know how large Beverly's quarters are, but like, so her and Wesley are sharing quarters and there's no doors. I thought that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, hadn't, I never thought about the no door thing. <laughs> That's my punishment for my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> don't take the door off. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm just looking up. So I just looked up Gates McFadden and she does have a son that was born the same year that this episode was done. So maybe she didn't have that motherly instinct, knew how to play it as well then because she was just a brand new mother of a little baby. So I don't I don't know. I'm glad you looked that up because I was going to ask, like, had she been a mother? I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, maybe they didn't want it to be too motherly because, you know, she's an officer on the ship and. You know, like my dad talks about his parents and he used to say, you know, uh, they never said love you to each other. I mean, everybody's relationships are different. I think Beverly's a good mother to Wesley. She raised him well. It's just maybe she's not like that affectionate like I was saying my mother is. I was going to say like the affection would come more from the well. That's a stereotype. <laughs> I was going to say come um, mostly comes from the mother, but no, no, that's not necessarily true. Well, in the scene that I was mentioning about the surprise party, maybe she knows that Wesley would not appreciate her giving him a kiss and a big hug in front of all the officers. You know? Yeah, I've worked with family and that's sort of the same dynamic that, you know, when you're in the shop type of thing, then you're not the daughter. You are an employee type of thing. And so maybe that's could have been in the back of her mind as well. Nope. Any opportunity to embarrass my daughter, I take it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Emma, hey. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be that parent, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I believe you. So, okay. There's the scene where everybody's under the influence, including Robin Leffler. And Jordy, not Jordy, Wesley is running through the ship trying to get away from everybody like a little kid, you know, like when you're chasing your toddler around the place. And and then he's going through the little conduits and stuff. And then when Worf all of a sudden comes up behind him and Rikers come the other end, it reminded me of when my little kids were little and they would go in the place at like at McDonald's and I'd have to get them out. And sometimes you have to crawl into those tunnels to get them. (laughs) Come on, it's time to go. Where are you? And that's what reminded me of when they're chasing Wesley, like they're chasing their little kid through the play set. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you can see that for sure. Come on and drag him kicking and streaming. (laughs) Try doing that at a Discovery Zone or something like that. I know they don't exist anymore, but try doing that in a discovery zone. <laughs> you guys know what a discovery zone is, yes. right? Okay. Amy? No? No. 
basically it's a uh, uh, it's the McDonald's play place multiply that by 20 mm. on the size yeah. so yeah it's huge well what well when they were around they were huge but um i remember when uh, yeah there's a there's a gym, there's something like that in england um i can't remember where it's at it's somewhere in the middle of the country i don't remember what it's at but it's basically for adults and yeah those things are awesome <laughs> it's big enough to be for adults it's like three stories tall oh, wow we should go that sounds awesome yeah yeah, I don't know if it still exists, but it's got a bowling alley, it's got a roller rink, and a video arcade place. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, it's really it's a really cool place. <laughs> well, and it was pretty scary, I guess. Yeah, that's the right word. I mean, so they grab Wesley and they put him in, take him to the bridge. I don't know why the bridge. I guess that's where all the officers were. And throw him down in the chair and they put the game. Now open his eyes. I mean, and they like grab his eyes and like open them, force them open. I'm like, that's really scary to be using such force on this kid. And he could have rolled his eyes back. To not look. Oh. But I know. No, no. I can do better than that. I can do better because I I noticed this time watching it that as they're holding his eyes open, he blinks once. He blinks. So if he can blink, he can close his eyelids. (laughs) They should have reshot that scene because he does a quick blink. They did a pretty good job. I mean, man, they had his eyes open. They did. I, but you'll notice if you rewatch forceful. it, even though his eyes are like huge, wide open, he does a quick blink. Huh. I didn't even see that. Maybe, uh. So I wonder if the game would automatically put the disc in because I think the um, like when Riker's introduced to it and he's like, well, what do I do? And it's just like, well, put the disc in the little cone thing. And it's like, oh, okay. So it could Wesley have stopped the disc going in the cone. Yeah. But the funnel was getting bigger and bigger. So, uh, so it that's my would question. eventually enveloped it. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't yeah. get as many points because he didn't get it in as soon. Yeah. Or something. But eventually the cone gets so big, you can't help it. But the disc goes in there. Watch it turn into like an online game or something. And you're fighting against your other person or another person. I'm like, I can get more discs than you can. Yeah. How uh -uh, has this now become a game with all of the Trekkies and geeks and nerds creating games? You know what? I... You just gave me an idea. Um, I wouldn't doubt it if it's on Bridgemate that's coming or uh, uh, Bridge Crew that's coming out uh, next month. <laughs> you know, what, you yeah, know what I'm talking yeah, about? That could yeah, be. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a PlayStation game and it's a uh, basically a uh, virtual reality and you play the crew of the Enterprise or whatever ship you're playing as. But I wouldn't doubt it if they put in a side game for this game. I wouldn't doubt it. That would be fun. I actually, I, I can't wait now because <laughs> I want to play the game too. Yeah, but you'll get addicted. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. <sighs> Dang it. Yeah, there is. Uh, I'll risk it. <laughs> Man, I never, I, I never even thought about side games in that game. Yeah, because that's coming out next month, uh, the third week of May, I think it is. Yeah. That'll be fun. So that's different <laughs> than timelines, right? Bridge. Right. Cruise. Yeah. Timelines okay. is on the phone. And then this one is actual, you you can look around and it's like you're there sort of thing. And then you have the, um, 
I don't have a VR, but I don't know what those sticks are called. But then you can do the controls and and play Star Trek. It's like you're actually there. (laughs) I am always there in here. In your brain. (laughs) So um, what about them turning data off? So as we know, as far as I remember, Crusher is the only one that knows about data's off switch, right? Crusher and Jordy. And Jordy. Yeah. But Jordy wasn't there when he they... He wasn't there. He wasn't under the okay. influence yet. Right. So when they did that, Crusher did it, but in front of Troy and Riker. So now Troy and Riker know where data's off switch is? No, wait a minute. Doesn't Riker know? Because in yeah, Measure of a Man, didn't he turn him off? That's right. He did. That's right. But it okay. wasn't just they turned him off. They they severed like some something in him. Like that's what yeah. Crusher did. Yeah. Well, well, and she's she's talking about the dialogue that Wesley was talking to Leffler about uh, the only people. Weren't they looking at the the lines that were cut wherever they were the. The, in his yeah, head. Yeah, they scanned him they and scanned they saw it. that there was, yeah, the Were they connection. talking about that or turning him off? I thought they were talking about that, the cutting of the wires or whatever. And and that's where, you know, uh, Wesley's like, there's only two people on the ship that would actually know how to do that. That would be Jordy and my mom. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 commercial. And then now <laughs> Bruce Coles plays with his uh, toothpaste. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to rewatch that and look again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was rewatching, I was working. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of in the background. And I was watching it here and there. So I might have missed that part. I'll, re- I'll watch it again. Yeah. Why not? This is a fun. This is a fun episode. It is. It is very fun. Um, even though the content, you know, addiction is pretty heavy. But I think it is. It's a fun show to watch and you can rewatch it. And I think it still holds up and you get to see Ashley Judd. And oh, so what about the Katarians? So what was their main purpose? To they wanted take over the Federation to take over the Federation. Yep. I mean, it was ballsy move. Very ballsy move for uh, an inferior, uh, te- or at least t- technologically uh, based uh, uh, culture. But well, when it comes to weapons, that is. See, you need weapons. You need map- the military. No, I mean I'm telling you. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean it's very. It was very ballsy to um, to basically, in a sense, attack the Federation like that. I mean that's to me a act of war. Are the Katarians part of the Federation? Yeah, I don't know. Now I'm curious. Yeah, because I thought that would add another layer of intrigue if they were part of the Federation and trying to take over. But yeah, I I was unsure. And it's like, okay, so here's these Katarians and they want to rule the world. I thought, yeah, sort of a little weak. They could have had a different motive that would have explained more proportional, I guess. So like overtaking the Federation is huge. And then their way of doing it is this game. I just thought it was a little disproportionate. What was that episode uh, called um, where... Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, the first officer was replaced by uh, by like someone that... Conspiracy? They, is it? That's right. No, was it conspiracy? Or is it the one bef- before that? 
Oh my goodness, I can't remember. I can't remember where uh, they were. Basically, so basically, you know, the story was is that the alien took over the the uh, first officer's position, and basically, they they were tasked to destroy that space station. Um, I can't remember what it's called. And they basically, uh, you know, rewrote the computer's uh, databases, showing that um, whatever oh, I can't remember his name, Commander something. I can't remember. I don't know, but I'm t- I'm saying like a motivation like that. I mean, maybe they were uh, maybe uh, later on down the road that they, if they took over the Enterprise or even the Federation, that they'll destroy all of their enemies. Is what what, what I was thinking of. So uh, I can't yeah, remember I, that episode. I, That's gonna drive me well, nuts. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I can't remember that one for you either. But I looked up. Kataris is a member of the United Federation of Planets. Ah. So this was some rogue faction that was trying to take control of Starfleet. But yes, they are members of the Federation. All right. That makes it more interesting, in my opinion. I like it. So, yes, we should rate this. And okay. Richard, what level would you rate this? I'm so glad you did level. I forgot about levels. <laughs> I'm going to go out of out of what? A hundred levels? You choose. Let's go with a hundred levels. Um, I'm gonna go with seventy-eight. I think I'm gonna have enough of that by then. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce. What? Uh, how many at a hundred? You know, I'm. I'm think. Oh gosh, I would say maybe seventy-one is where I'm going. Seventy-one level. Very interesting. I uh, am at level seventy-five. So we're all very at the same level. I like it. So we don't love it, but we like it a lot. Yes. yes. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's good. It is really a good episode. So, yeah. So talking about the game isn't the only thing that we have been discussing here on Trek FM. Here's a preview of what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> That's not to take away anything that they are. They have the same standard of excellence. Um, They are as brilliant, as smart. Um, They're good leaders. But they're guys who go home. They're guys who drink. They're guys who go to the bar. They're guys who get in fist fights. They're guys who have wives and argue. And they're guys who deal with loss. To the journey! I've just got this vision now of Janeway there. Who's a good voyager? That's a good girl. Well, she liked to, you know, stroke, stroke the halls and everything. So Tom Paris would be like, "Who's a good girl? You want to go? Want to go for a ride? Let's yeah. go." <laughs> Literary treks. I'm glad we reread this because at the time I did read this, it was when the new movie was out. But now that we've had the three movies, as you just mentioned, and I've seen Star Trek 09 about a hundred times. I'm very familiar with the movie and not as much as with the comic now because I've only read it maybe a few, a couple of times. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can listen to every show on the network at Trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPod, iPad, Kindle, Android, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek.fm. 
If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash Trek FM, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards. For example, $5 a month gets you into our patron zone. You get exclusive content and access to our early release of all of the shows. At the $15 a month, you get to participate in our monthly roundtable discussions. They are so much fun, and that's how I got started on the network at $25 a month you get associate producer credits for any podcast you choose at this time we would like to thank our current patreon associate producers michael huter and justin ozer thank you for supporting earl gray Another way to help out the network and get cool stuff is to visit Redbubble at redbubble.com slash shop slash Trek FM. You can find amazing designs for t-shirts, pillows, phone cases, and more. And with each purchase, a portion of the sales goes to Trek FM. Connect with other Trek FM listeners on our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference. You can search that on Facebook, B-A-B-E-L, or you can like the Facebook.com slash Trek FM page for show updates and other announcements. The network is also on Twitter at Trek FM. If you would like to contact Lee, Richard, or me... Amy, visit trek.fm slash contact to send us a subspace message or find us on social media. So, Bruce, if anyone wants to uh, adjust their levels on their game, where can they find you to do that? Well, when I'm not doing commercials in the mirror in my bathroom, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me, of course, talking Star Trek books and comics right here on Trek FM on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther. And we do that about every week. We take one week off a month so we can have like time to continue reading. And uh, you can also find me talking Star Wars on the podcast called The Star Wars Report with Riley Blanton and Mark Herleman. And I'm at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando as I speak. So I'll be doing a lot of reporting on Star Wars stuff on The Star Wars Report this week. Awesome. And I am super jealous. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> well, there's still time. You can come on down. That's true, but I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, Amy, uh, if anyone needs a lesson on on the special bite of uh, your chocolate fudge, where can anyone, where can someone find you to do that? Well, the best place would be to comment on the Babel Conference because I'm always there hanging out. And I do have a Twitter account and you can find me at Miss Amy Nelson. And Richard, where I can feel people... That, like, that was, <laughs> I feel like that was a punch at me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good, you're Twitter. Good. You're good. Uh, so Richard, where can people talk to you about what level they are on? Well, they can find that out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on the Babel Conference, my next favorite place to be at. <laughs> and um, I don't have a Twitter anymore, so... Um, yeah, I haven't figured that situation out, so oh well. <laughs> you know, you can just open up another one. Uh, yeah, but then I have to do all the welcome screens and inter... No, no. Well, did you get kicked <laughs> off to Twitter for being inappropriate or something? <laughs> I actually deactivated it, and it was only for like two weeks, and they deleted it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So don't deactivate your account unless you want to be gone. Permanently from the internet. Unless you're hiding, but that's different. 
<laughs> yeah, real quick story, because one time I, was, I so I have an Instagram account and I had the same handle as I did on Twitter and then I decided to change it. And I was thinking of changing my handle on Twitter too, but I changed the Instagram one for like a day. And then I was like, no, I'll change it back to Admiral underscore Rex like I have on Twitter. And it was already gone. Somebody already took it that quick. Like how many people are waiting like within 24 hours to take Admiral underscore Rex and it's gone. And so people still tag me on Instagram and this guy keeps saying like, I'm not that guy. (laughs) Well, you shouldn't have taken my handle. Right. That's hilarious. You should keep, you should keep doing that. <laughs> It'll drive that guy nuts. That's a good idea. Maybe he'll give it back to me then. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, everyone. Tag Bruce on Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Live long and read on. Today is a good day to die. <laughs>